Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, our guest is one of the most unique basketball journalists out there. I'll explain why in a minute, and then we're going to meet him, and of course we're going to chat it up. But first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thanks, Darlene. Nobody jumpstarts a podcast like you do, my good friend. Okay, so let's get into it. This week's guest also likes threes in transition, but back in his day... He might have posterized you. I need to go back and check the tape on that, though. Um, He is the one and only Mark J. Spears. Mark is the senior writer for The Undefeated. And at 6'6", I think he's still got some game. Can he still duck? I'm not sure. Mark, thanks for joining us. And do you still have game? No. (laughs) Um, I have VHS tape to prove it. I have teammates. You could ask Grant Hill if he saw me dunk. He'll tell you yes. He he actually saw me dunk in a college game. That's a that's a story we could talk about if you'd like. Uh, but no, nah, man, I uh, I tore my patella tendon two years ago. By the last time I played, played from twenty one about six years ago, and some dude dove for a loose, loose ball by my knee, and that's when I, I I immediately retired. So I would love to play. I'm just I'm more scared about getting hurt, so I don't play no more. Well, I respect that logic. Um, I'm glad that you have recovered. You'll get there. Your body will tell you when that, that day arrives. <laughs> don't, Mark, come on. Don't rush time. Goodness, I'm in a good place right now. Um, no, that day will come. All jokes yes, aside, you, uh, you're obviously personal love affair with the game, and then you transition into the journalist space. Mark, you got to be one of the most unique guys out there doing it right now. Your ability to connect with multiple audiences that expand different age groups. Just how do you go about approaching it and doing what you do? I know you've been in the game for what? This will be your 20th season covering the NBA? I'm 21, but who's count? (laughs) Now, um, I I think the undefeated gives me a, a, a unique platform that I write about basketball, but I, I kind of look at it as I write about write stories that my mom would read. And my mom's not, a, she's, a, she's a, just a novice basketball fan. And so what I mean about that, I, I write about race and culture and sport and um, some of the u- unique things. And so it's, in a lot of ways, it's bigger than basketball. I, I try to get you to know these players as people, um, their causes, their beliefs, their stories, their pain, their triumph. And so, you know, a lot of times uh, 
it's it's a it's more of a magazine story than say a a short news story. So I it it, it takes it, it can be challenging at times times like um, you know having uh, getting the guys to to talk about these things. But I think um, a lot of them have learned to have trust in me that I will tell their personal stories in the in the right manner. It's funny that you mentioned it. Um, obviously all of our thoughts and minds and hearts are going out to the Bryant family at this time and the seven other families of seven other individuals. But in your piece that you so eloquently wrote um, about chronicling Kobe's career, he actually jokes with you about all your Dr. Seuss style questions. Um, you can tell Mark that that piece really came from the heart. Is there anything in regards to your time covering Kobe that you have not said at this point? Because I'm sure Plenty of people have asked you for your reflections. Um, it, I just think it, it's amazing to me that he he has so many friends <laughs> around the world, so many people that felt like they knew him, you know, even if they got two seconds with him, two minutes with him. Um, he was excellent at making you feel at home, even though you're meeting him for the first time. He he had several different like um PR people, whether it was Lakers or his personally, that you know, he um would lean on. And as as you guys know, not sure I'm sure over years Bruce has seen this a lot when it when it comes to, you know, star players, there's always somebody they gotta meet after the game. Always somebody after practice. Oh always CEO or CEO's kid or some musician or some star or somebody in politics or just, just somebody who won a contest or on, on sad occasions, maybe it's a Make-A-Wish kid. But what Kobe did that was unique, and I, and I saw it because I often my, – my whole thing with him was, okay, I'm going to catch him when he leaves the locker room, like kind of walk with him as he's leaving so I could get some time with him after game. Um, sometimes I would have, uh, I would see somebody waiting for him, and they were nervous. They were, uh, you know, knowing that Kobe was on his way, and they wanted to be cool, or, you know, they are excited. But when he would come out, he would always break the ice and always ask them something about themselves, and you'd be, see them be a little surprised, and then, all of a sudden, they they would relax, and um, Kobe would end up asking them more questions about them than they would ask about him. He probably figured they knew about him already, but I think he really truly believed you never know who you're meeting. You know, you, you never know who what that person is connected to or who they're, you know, connected to, and perhaps that helped him in his post basketball. Um, you know, career is that he he was always meeting people all the time, but giving them meaningful interaction. So I'm sure when they went back to doing what they were doing, if Kobe needed anything, they probably would um, jump to get it done. You know, um, he he just was special in that way, unique in that way, and I I think a lot of athletes entertainers, people in our business, like, can take something from him in that. Like, when 
my my sister calls me a um, a D-list celebrity, but she also prefaces by saying it. But you're on the list, <laughs> right? That's but, like in, in the Bay Area specifically, or you know, several times around the country. You know, and ESPN gives you a platform. People will recognize me and want to say hi. And I I feel like half of me, half of this is me personally, but half of it is I learned from Kobe. Like, you just never know who you're meeting, who you're talking to. So I, I always will stop, say hello, and, um, you know, it, it ain't 30 minutes or nothing, but at least I'll stop and acknowledge him and thank him for, for liking my work, for reading my work, for caring about my work. And, you know, that's how I think he, he just personally – like connected with a lot of people. Mark, this is Bruce. Uh, you're so right about what you said in that, you know, when you're a, a star of the level of Kobe Bryant, the demands on you are far, far more than it would be for just, you know, any other player. But I got to disagree with your sister about one thing. You are not a D-list celebrity. Monica, I would put him no lower than a C-list, okay? So I think she's downgrading him unfairly, and I think we need to have a talk with sis. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I, I could have been an A plus, and my sister's still going. You know, they they gonna keep you in your place a little bit. You know, that's what that's what little sisters do. That's what family's but, for, no doubt about it. Yeah, but don't let don't, but don't let somebody else say I'm D. You want to fight it, Mark? You know? Monica and I got your back. We will. You you you, you <laughs> never have to worry about us. We are we are we will we will run through a wall for you, my brother. Anyway, oh, last okay. week when we had when we had J A. Adonde on, he was talking about how. Um, the 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 walk from the Lakers locker room to when Kobe would get back on his chopper or whatever ride he was taking, that was almost kind of Kobe's office when it came to talking to him and to other people. What 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 are your feelings? I mean, what were your memories of walking Kobe down that? I mean, you sent us some video that's absolutely incredible of you and Kobe, just that somebody shot of you guys that perfectly sort of illustrated what you talked about and how Kobe was just the most, you know, kind of welcoming sort of guy when he ran into people so what are, what are your memories of the tunnel any anything great yeah no like and i just mentioned it too like i would wait for him you know and outside the locker room and try to walk with him and it's funny because some of us other media types we'd be national types would like fight him for space you know what i mean like time and so getting them after games in la was a little tougher, but I would get them after games in LA. Get them after practices were great. Like I, there were a few times where I would email them and say, "Hey man, I'm coming out today. You got a couple minutes for me?" You know, yeah, yeah. He'd email me back, yeah, yeah. You know, and so there were times that there was one shoot um, media day in particular, and man, you know, media days in LA when he was there were zoos. I mean, everybody in L.A. would come out, but then when he was done, he kind of gave me this little, hey, come over here for a minute, and I would go over there and uh, get my individual time with him. Um, uh, there were times after practice where I would get him. And what, one funny thing I, I laugh about is one time after practice, I called him in the back. You know, I was told to go back to talk to him, and I had to man, this beautiful, like, Adidas sweatsuit on, right? And I walked up to interview him. I was like, what's up, Cole? What's up, B? 
Oh, really? Oh, really? You're going to interview me with that on? I'm like, what are you talking about? You're going to wear that outfit on, and then it dawned on me, he, like, despised Adidas. <laughs> you know, he had that bad breakup with Adidas. So I, you're you going to interview me with an Adidas sweatsuit on? I'm like, and he was really not going to do the interview. He looked at me, and, and it, it took me a while to convince him to do otherwise, and the promise out never happened again. Um, but, like, he... <laughs> I'm surprised he, he you didn't whip out a roll of electrical tape and put like black tape over those logos. Yeah, well, there was a, it was a lot of long lines, and I'm a tall dude, so it was probably <laughs> too much time. But like, no, nah, he he gave me a big ribbon about that. He eventually did it, but it's funny what I learned from him is uh, from that point on, anytime I interview somebody one on one, I paid attention to what shoe company they're with. Cause, and, and so if I'm interviewing Steph Curry, I'm wearing Under Armour. <laughs> like, shoot. If I'm interviewing uh, Damian Lillard, Adidas. Or Trey Young, Adidas. Like, you know, Draymond Green, Nike. You, you know what I mean? Like, Kevin Durant, <laughs> Nike. It, it, it's just um, you gotta you gotta know you gotta know your subject, right? You gotta yeah, be prepared. Yeah, but that he, is like preparation, he, like to the to the nth degree. Yeah, he he taught me that in a funny way, man. But it's like, like but they he, he was half joking, half serious, man. He was like, look, you you got to be about your game too. Like he pushed you to be about your game. But to go back to that. Um, comment about the Dr. Seuss asked question um, that you asked about. I mean, I I think the one thing he knew and perhaps even maybe respected about me was I, I always was trying to inter- ask him interactive. I mean, um, you know, questions that he had to think about, things outside the box. Um, I'd, I'd try not to ask what everybody else is asking or ask what everybody is scared to ask, but um, so that, I think he we had some good interaction in that way because maybe I asked him some stuff that he 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 enjoyed having to think, you know, and not not just ha- have the norm. I love that. I think though, Mark, like, so that is something that you've been able to perfect over time. Like, how are you able to connect with these guys, or do you find that Kobe and beyond? They actually are looking for somewhere to tell a story that has not been told multiple times in different ways. Because I can remember, Mark, when you sat down with Chris Dunn as he was preparing to leave Providence, heading to the league. And, like, I feel like I had not heard his story until I saw your sit down. And his story was incredible. Yeah, no, it still is. I, I wish he would have taken off as a star because his his story is something to movies, you know. Um and, and and perhaps that's it is like I, I think these guys talk so much about the game of basketball that it could become, you know, monotonous or boring or you know, having to talk about decisions people made or decisions they made in the game or their struggles. So I just find that they enjoy talking about something that ain't basketball related or you know things that are personal to them or things that they know are motivational to others um so i mean i 
I really like being in that space. And then, it, it, you know, you don't get players to trust you overnight. It happened over time. Um, and players talk to players that they don't think that you are worth talking to or somebody that they should be fearful of. Oh, it, it goes around now. They all speak to each other. So, I mean, I think over the course of these 21 years, I've been blessed to get their trust. Um, I love telling stories that are more than just what happened in the game. And hopefully they feel that when they talk to me, it's in a comfortable house where it will be told the right way. And, you know, I take a little pride, a lot of pride in, in, in the sensitivity of telling stories, but also being able to tell the story the right way and the honest way. The league has been tons of fun this year. I guess one of the bigger things that happened recently prior to Kobe's passing um, is Zion Williamson is back on the floor, Mark. And you were in the building when he made his debut, um, this regular season at least, as a Pelican. What are your thoughts there? Because you are also a large man, so you may have a different opinion than everybody else. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm just, what you're 6'6". Six, six. I'm just saying you're 6'6", six, six, Mark. I'm just saying you can relate to large, a lots of size. <laughs> you didn't say I was small. You said I was large. Um, Mark, you know you got to You come with a presence. Don't act like that now. <laughs> all right, all right. You're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> um, he is... is you know, and I, I think probably the best comparison to me, and I know people hate comparisons, but he reminds me of like a young Barkley. Um, he, he's a he's a, a big, strong, massive man who's only nineteen, right? And you, you know his force is strong if your feet go through your shoes because of the force that you have. But, like, I, I want him to be healthy. I want him to, you know, he, he's going to, I think it'll be interesting to see what Zion's body looks like in five years. I actually think he's in better, um, I mean, it, basketball, you, as you know, because you used to play basketball shape and being in shape are two different things. Then there's also the, and this is somebody who's had knee injuries, me and myself, so I know. It takes a while to get confidence in your knee. And so I'm watching him play now, and I see that he's kind of like dragging his leg a little bit. Um, to me, I think that's more confidence than anything. Um, I don't trust me, the doctors wouldn't have him out there if they didn't think he was right. So I think he just has to get more confidence in, his, in that his body is back and his strength is back and his. He, he's going to continue to get better. So the fact that he is putting up the numbers he's putting up while he's still playing himself into game shape, which is different than, you know, regular shape, what is he going to be doing in a month? <clears throat> that three-minute spurt that I saw Zion have his first game was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. I mean, he, for three and a half quarters, it was like, well, it's his first game. Let's give him a pass. Then it was like he went out, found some, like, you know, phone booth changing, came back. It was just absolutely incredible. Like, hitting threes, 
throwing great passes, getting rebounds, catching the alley-oop. And he single-handedly got the Pelicans back in the game. And if they were able to leave him in, they would have won that game, I think. He, he was just that incredible. And he he just – he's somebody I think we needed, basketball needed. Uh, a, a new face, a young star. Uh, John Morant has some of that too. So, you know, adding those two guys is great. But um, I, I think one thing we're going to learn about Zion that a lot of people don't know, that he is a sweetheart of a person. Um, you know, while he was out, I had the ability to, like, see him behind the scenes. And I went to a, a thing around Thanksgiving where – uh, the Pelicans were giving um, this, uh, Thanksgiving dinner to some adults living in a whole homeless shelter, hundreds of adults. And when Zion walked in, these people stood up and gave him dance ovation. I'm like, dang, this kid ain't even playing. Yet. <laughs> and they're, they're just going crazy for him. But he, like, took pictures with him, talked to him, engaged with him. It wasn't just like, here, let me slap this food or give you this free, you know, um, beanie or something like that. He he just has a sweetness about him. Like, he just a, he has a good heart, a friendly person, um, no, like, super ego to him. I mean, he knows who he is, but I, I think his personality is, like, perfect for New Orleans. Um, you know, South Carolina kid, I think maybe – I wonder if New York, I, I, I really think Memphis and New Orleans are great places for those two young players because they're both South Carolina kids from small towns. Perhaps going to New York would have engulfed them and, mm-hmm. and been too much, you know, personally going to L.A., the same. Uh, so I, I think it all worked out the right way. And as Zion continues to to, to flourish and get better and get in better basketball shape. I, I think we're going to get to start to know more about him as a person. And what I've seen so far is he's just as great off the court as he is on it. Um, all right, so we got a couple more questions, Mark. We know you've been super gracious with your time, and we really appreciate it. I kind of want to get your thoughts on the latest round with All-Star selections. Um, here in D.C., Bradley Bill and company was up in arms that Bradley Bill was not selected as an All-Star. You saw Carl Anthony Towns say that the best 24 are not all-stars. Devin Booker among guys that are also left off of that list. I was bent, bouncing this idea around with a friend that if we had a snub team that had an opportunity to play for spots, but I guess guys don't take all-star weekend that serious though. But what are, what are your thought process on how much the success of a team like the Bucks helps propel Chris Middleton into that spot? Versus a guy who's yeah. putting up the numbers like Booker or Bradley Bill. Well, and the Bucks are complaining they didn't get three. Really? Like they think Eric, Eric Bledsoe should be in the game too. So I mean, man, that's that's life. Somebody's always going to be it's short. Everybody can't play. You know, everybody can't make it. There'll be politics. Um, you know, we got to remember that the All Star Game is a beauty contest. You know, it's um, the fans. Uh, and it's only a third of the vote on who they think should be there. Then it's the combination of players who 
that takes that opportunity to vote. Some of them very uh, unprofessionally and don't put serious names in, so that affects the vote. And then, but you know, I think in the terms of the reserves, I mean, it's, it's the head coaches that are voting. So there could only be twelve, and someone's always not going to make it. Um, I do feel bad for Devin Bull. I do. Because it's, it's not his fault. And then, but and then you look at Bradley Bill and you look at Carson Towns and they're having an amazing year. But then, what does Chris Paul say to you? Right? Mm-hmm. Chris Paul's team ain't great, but they're winning. So, why is Chris Paul's team winning and say Bill's team not winning and Towns' team is not winning? I think, may, I don't know, maybe it's just Chris Paul at the point guard position, but Chris is willing his team to win. And so I think that Chris isn't averaging numbers like Bill's averaging or numbers like Towns averaging, but the fact that he is willing his team to win has garnered the respect from the coaches. So it's, um, it's always going to be tough because there's only 12. You're working somebody that's mad, but you know they're having great seasons. But winning does matter when it comes to this thing. And you know Trey wasn't voted in. Maybe that would affected him that the Hawks haven't done that well too. But he got in as a starter. Tell us about how uh, you're doing some stuff with Trey Young right now. I was, I, you know, it's like you're reading our minds here. We we wanted to to, to go to Trey Young next. Uh, I watched him last night against Boston, and you know they didn't win and they hung in there. But I mean, he pulled up for a three with one of his feet on the midcourt logo like it was nothing. I mean, and it, and just just drained it. I mean, um, tell us about uh, you know your current project that you're working on with Trey Young. Yeah, no, I've been doing a diary with Trey Young this season. He has been absolutely amazing. I, I do believe he is uh, deserving of being an all-star. Glad he made it. And I believe if he was a, put in a position for reserve, that he deserved to be there as well. Um, very interesting kid from Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, mixed race. Um, growing in stardom. So I think we were blessed to get this opportunity to talk to him this season. So um, he has a great agent named Omar Wilk, and Omar helped hook it up, and so did Karen Moraine uh, from the Hawks to you know talk to Trey once a once a month. And so we started in Norman, Oklahoma, before training camp started. Uh, we we got him in LA in November. Um, Got him in December in Atlanta. This month, we went back to Norman and got him. Every time, man, I'll tell you what, he's just been super gracious with his time, professional. He gets it. And he's, he's like, you know, people love those small guards, man. From Steph to Iverson, man, to Marber. You know, they love the little, little guards. And, you know, he's no different. I, I think he... This uh, all-star game is going to help with popularity even more. So I'm real. We were real lucky and blessed to to have this opportunity with him. 
Um, the project is incredible, Mark, but you know, that's on brand with the kind of work you do or whatever. I don't want to gas you up too much, but we do enjoy what you do when you're covering the league. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So here's how we wrap this podcast, Mark. It's called buckets, boards, and blocks. And that's how we end it. So, uh, in regards to the NBA this year, and if you want to take it sentimental and go Kobe, you can do that too. I'm going to ask you to give me one of these items. The bucket is the A++ thing. The thing that you love about the league give you more than more of this thing. The board is like a rebound. It has a little bit of silver lining to it. At first glance, it may not be so glamorous, but it has redeeming qualities. And then the block is the thing that you feel strongly that you want to see get out of the league this year, um, whether it's a concept, a rule, a player, a happening, whatever. Pick one Mark J. Spears and let us know why. Uh, I'm going to go with the block. Um, just the constant little changes. Changes to the all-star game. Like, you can, you can honor the late, great Kobe Bryant without some weird things. He, he, he just, uh, talk about a mid-season tournament and maybe go on less games and, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I, I I don't think the NBA is broke by any means in terms of how the game looks. I, 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 I'm not enamored with all the outside shooting. I do think it has kind of made it harder to watch. Um, and as a former inside player, like just seeing guys loft up threes all the time can drive me a little batty, especially in the college level. But let, let's let's leave it alone. <laughs> let's, let's let basketball be basketball and, and and stop coming up with these crazy changes all the time. Um, of a game that for a long time has been played, eighty-two games. So let's. I just want to keep things simple, and, and whether it's the referees, questions with video, or this, that, and the third, let's, let's just leave things alone and let the game be the game. And that, yeah, grumpy old, old veteran reporter. I was just about to say, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is Mark J. Spears' intro into Get Off My Lawn territory. One hundred percent. I was thinking the exact same Bruce, thing. Bruce, Get Bruce, off my lawn. Bruce, do you I, agree? I like I like uh, big guys that can go inside. When I was at the Celtics game the other night in Philadelphia, I was working on the game. Um, the first play of the game. Philly gets the ball inside to Joel Embiid for about a three-foot hook shot that he nails over Daniel Tice, I think. That was his only field goal of the game. Oh boy. Why did he not get another field goal in that entire game when you go down to him and it is automatic and he's a great free-throw shooter? So he goes to the line, he makes two. I agree. I like the shooters yeah. too. But but to me, you win by getting easy buckets. Yeah, no, it's... Um... All these analytic people change the game and think, well, she always do is shoot threes, but I shot 65% my last year in college for a reason. I shot within five feet all the time, <laughs> you know? And then if you dominate on the inside, guess what opens? Three-point shot. Oh! Play it inside there? out. Play the game inside out. Yeah, so don't be somebody smart enough to get back to it. 
maybe it'll take a, a Wiseman coming into the NBA to to bring some of that back. Or you know who's going to bring that back? Zion. Yeah. He, he, well, I saw him play against Houston. I know Capella wasn't there. I don't know if it would matter, but he, boy, he's a he's a bulldozer in the post. So perhaps somebody like Zion kind of gets us back to that inside outside game again. All right, Mark. Well, we certainly appreciate your time. We obviously are keeping our eyes on your work um, and looking forward to, as we are approaching All-Star and then the second half of the NBA season this year. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, uh, I'll just say this. It was an extreme pleasure, honor uh, to cover Kobe Bryant. Um, my condolences to his family and all the those that perished, uh, the families of those that perished in the helicopter accident. Um, it's still surreal. It was hard being in LA, um, seeing all the, the beautiful memorial for him and all the, just the love of the fans and going to that game. But I just, um, I missed him when he left the game. I miss him even more now, but that mom mentality, man, I, I hope people really get inspired by that. Hopefully his memory can bring the best out of people. Well said, my friend. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thank you so much to today's guest, Mark J. Spears of The Undefeated. Be sure to check out his work. You will learn a lot. Thanks to my loyal sidekick and producer, Bruce Bernstein, and of course, our editor, Ben Wolfen. Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and hopefully you caught his show this week with Om Young Masu, who shares his stories of Kobe Bryant. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin releases a new show every Wednesday, and the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops every Friday. Please subscribe to all of our shows, listen, rate us, review, and most of all, enjoy. And of course, I'm here on Thursdays with a new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. So, my good people, until next time, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 